0: We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino.
1: Good evening, everyone. My name is Mike Cosentino. That sound you hear is indeed my welcome to you. Peachy's Pub is open. Welcome to our virtual pub cast it is tuesday evening at six o'clock a special welcome to all of you who are picking this up on the back end as the run atl podcast certainly appreciate you joining us we have a very special evening planned some featured pub runners with us this evening one making her debut with d2 and with me and another a longtime friend who has added tremendous value not just to this broadcast, but to me personally, D2, here we are, it is now June, and yet still coronavirus season, and much going on around us, how are you doing this evening, D2? I'm
0: good, Um, you know, things seem to be getting back to normal, Um, I I keep uh, watching the news, and I see traffic is is almost back to normal, we see accidents, we see traffic delays, so I was like, the world must be getting back to normal.
1: It seems like slowly but surely, for those of you who are listening to this as the Ron ATL podcast, we are now past the Memorial Day holiday weekend, and it does seem like a little bit more astir in and around the greater Atlanta area. At the same time, still very much our hope and prayers for all of you, especially those on the front line and those where this pandemic has certainly come to inconvenience you, or even more so for those where it is visited your doorstep and you are dealing with it right now as we go into june we're just going to cover a couple of quick things before we introduce you to our featured pub runners first of all as we go into june for those who have asked for those who have been curious it will be at least another month before we can begin our social runs our in-store activities and the special events that you traditionally hear us talking about even on this broadcast, please be patient. But D2, we're gonna to continue to have the virtual pub run since we cannot have our social runs.
0: Yeah, that is correct. And then that also means that our uh, summer run ATL training program will also continue as a virtual training program. And uh, But there's a lot of virtual 10Ks, uh, 5Ks, and a few that are actually centered around uh, the 4th of July. So there's a lot of opportunity to take advantage of the training going on right now and put it to the test on uh, July 4th and that weekend.
1: What an awesome reminder, thank you you're looking younger by doing this training program. Virtually a lot more has fallen on to your shoulders for those of you who have not yet signed up. It is not too late. We have another month of that training program, the run ATl training program visit bigpeachrunningco dot com to learn more about that to join d two as our head coach of that program to get in your virtual training for that virtual activity or just a very good summer for you for sure also for those who have not yet made their way back into our stores please know that we're doing everything we can some things you should be aware of certainly social distancing very much top of mind for all of us each of our team members of course will have a mask on at all times inside our stores we are not yet allowing more than 10 people inside our store at any time. We do have very good systems in place to not only make sure you are safe and sound, but also that you get that world-class service that you deserve. We will also ensure that we continue with things that you've told us you like curbside pickup. It is a thing we've joked why we were not doing this 10 years ago it is absolutely still available at big peach running company just call tell us what you want we are happy to bring it to you load it in to your passenger side your hatch or hand it to you while you are still in the driver's seat certainly being mindful of social distancing standards you can also do a virtual consultation all kinds of information on that on our homepage. that does not go away that carries forward so things that we've picked up on during this pandemic please know that they will stay in our arsenal we want to serve you how you are most comfortable the last thing i will say before introducing our special guest is simply As the founder of this organization, I cannot thank you enough. Cheers to all of you who have been so kind with your support, with your encouragement, with your words of wisdom and love for everyone in the Big Beach Running Company organization. It has meant so much to us. It has made the difference. We are absolutely in this together. We stand with you, and we thank you so much for standing with us and now d2 without any further delay our two very special guests this evening first of all nancy clark i mentioned she is becoming a regular thankfully for the atlanta running and walking communities she was on most recently episode number 80 also you'll get full unedited nancy clark episode number 56 on the run atl podcast alongside her this evening Casey Sinders, she joins us for the first time, and it is awesome to have her here because we are going to talk about the perils, perhaps, of too much, too soon, or overtraining, and she is an expert in not just helping those who made that mistake, but quite frankly, for the rest of us who could be very guilty of falling into that as we get after it for this summer. Good evening, ladies. Thanks again for joining us.
2: Yeah, thanks so so much for having us.
1: It is our pleasure. So Nancy, I'm going to start with you because when you were on in episode number 80, you once again landed in my soul in a way that started to change the way I was thinking about something. This pandemic, of course, has been going on since at least mid-March as it related to abbreviated ways of interacting with others, certainly in disruption of normal schedules. The marketplace, the workplace, entirely different than what it was at the beginning of March or earlier this year. And everywhere I had seen articles or commentary about nutrition, there was this term quarantine 15. People were adding weight. There were people talking about all of the pitfalls of now working from home and not making sensible dietary choices. And I just figured it was bad news for all of us that we were now at home more, we were now more closely connected to our pantries and our refrigerator and it would spell doom, perhaps (laughs) for those of us who wanted to eat healthy and do the right thing going into spring and summer. You changed all of that immediately for me and you said, this is an opportunity. This is maybe a golden opportunity. And now all of a sudden I was excited about (laughs) being at home and what could be with my nutrition plan. Tell me where it is that you're able to take those conventional headlines, flip the script and immediately give us a new way to think about it. Where does that come from?
3: Well, what I'm finding right now is that people are probably getting more sleep Than they have for a long time. You know, high school kids are able to sleep in, college students are sleeping in, people that are working don't have to get up an hour early to commute. So we know that sleep deprivation is very erosive in terms of nutrition intake. And there was a study done uh, with some sleep deprived people, and they gave them an hour and a half more sleep a night. And they reported their cravings for junk food dropped by two thirds, and they ate 14% fewer calories, and they lost they lost weight. Um, and that was just by getting more sleep. So if this shutdown has allowed you to have some more sleep, you might be discovering that food isn't as talking to you as much. Um, so hopefully that is a positive thing that is happening. And when people are well-slept, they make better food choices. And they have time to listen to their body. I mean, the body does an amazing job of feeding kids very, very well. Kids eat when they're hungry, they stop when they're content. If they eat too much chicken, the next time they want some potato or bagel. I mean, there's a carb-protein balance that the body has, and the kids listen to it. And food's not a big deal but so often grown ups i mean they don't eat when they're hungry they don't stop when they're content they run out of energy they don't listen to their bodies and and so i see this shutdown as a time of having a little bit more time to listen to the body like what do i truly want to eat and how much does my body need so if you have traditionally <clears throat> sort of been a person who fights with food and try to stay away from bagels or try to stay away from ice cream, now is maybe a time to experiment and have bagels a lot more often and enjoy them and eat them mindfully. And if you want some ice cream, maybe you have it in the middle of the afternoon and enjoy it instead of just eating it out of the carton at 10 o'clock at night. Um, so, let's say there is opportunity here, so so Mike, what did you actually change
1: so So, let me say this because for those of you who have heard me in my conversations with Nancy in the past, one of the things that I love about her is the latitude that she gives us not to our own demise but to recognize that we are not only human but we have things that we must be mindful of about ourselves. So she always asked me certain questions about, well, what did I learn? And Nancy, I will touch on that, but not before calling out what I learned from you last time. Last time we had Nancy again, for those of you who have not yet checked out episode number 80, Nancy was more or less making what we would call in Hollywood, a cameo alongside a professional triathlete who we had on as well. And all of a sudden, Nancy gives us the guidance about frozen and the role it can play in simplifying our trips to the grocery now that the grocery store looks so much different. Our trips, perhaps, and our behavior in the grocery store, by suggestion, are meant to be so much different than what they were in February of this year or last year at this time. And now buying frozen vegetables as a tactic allows us to not have to make more trips for fresh produce to the grocery store, but instead have better options at arm's length inside our home, where we're working, where we're spending more time. So before I go to... And preventing food waste. And and preventing food waste. And I don't even know if you mentioned that last time, but what a great add-on to that tactic. And and what I was going to say before I mentioned what I learned, Nancy, I would love for you because we're still at home. What are some other tactics that you're publishing and that you're giving to your clients that you would now suggest perhaps for all of us that are as easy as being mindful of the frozen fruit and vegetable section in our local grocery store?
3: Well, just to build on the frozen fruit and vegetables section, um, as I talked about last time, freezing doesn't destroy the nutritional value. And And it's often a lot more, a lot fresher because it, it's frozen at its peak. And so instead of being shipped from California to Atlanta <clears throat> to your house, and then it sits there, and then you pull out this wilted you know, lettuce leaf that's, I mean, it might not be processed, but it's certainly not fresh. Um, but the, the good thing about frozen is that it really reduces food waste, keeping in mind that 40% of the food that gets raised gets wasted. And a lot of that is people, you know, a lot of runners are guilty and you buy the fresh produce and boom, it um, it it doesn't get eaten in time. So don't hesitate to have fresh or frozen. Don't hesitate to buy breads and bagels and freeze them and then just take them out, slice at a time or a bagel at a time. Um, and frozen foods, you know, they're... There's a time and a place for everything. So certainly, you know, unprocessed, home cooked is best. And I think when the the this shutdown first started, everyone was like really getting into cooking. It's like, oh, this is wonderful. Right now, all I hear is like, oh, geez, if I have to cook another meal, I'm going to go crazy. And and so people are sort of sliding back toward their more traditional eating. You know, the plain old chicken instead of chicken marsala with mushrooms and whatever. Um, So we're... we're, um, in, In the midst of all of this, I just think it's really important that people recognize that we are humans. Humans are supposed to eat. We should be eating at least every four hours. Hunger is simply a request for fuel. So if you're sitting there in your house feeling hungry and you haven't eaten for the past six hours, You know you're not listening to your body, and I would really hope that people listen to their bodies. And um, eating, peeing, breathing, sleeping—it's all physiological. And when you got to pee, you pee. You don't think twice. Oh no, it's ten o'clock. I can't pee until noon. You don't do that. You know when you got to breathe, you breathe. And just the how the body is. a physiological machine, so that if you are hungry and want to eat, don't fight it, just wander over the refrigerator and eat something, and, and just stay in a little bit intuitive. It's like, how much food does my body need? And, and eat, and then if you're still hungry, it's okay to have a little bit more. And, and this is really, let's say, being a little bit intuitive, um, as opposed to trying to stay away from foods, and, you know, you want to bring good foods, yummy good foods into your house, and not, like, no cookies, no ice cream, because, oh, if there's ice cream, I'll eat too much of it, it's like, no, if you eat too much of a food, what that says to me is, you like it, maybe you should eat it more often, and just, you know, get tired of it, and then you'll be at peace with it. I mean, apples don't have power over you. You can you need eat an apple whenever you want, but why does ice cream have power over you? Because <gasps> it's bad food. It's like who set up that rule? Um, so I say there there's there's so much that people can be doing now to learn how to eat normally. Like, what do I truly want to eat? You know, do I stop eating because I think I should, because my or because my body's fed? Um and 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 just um, enjoying food is one of life's pleasures.
1: Well, and you're so good at that. And for those, and I'm gonna use Nancy's term, interested in learning. If you're just learning more about Nancy for the first time, obviously you can see the information on the screen if you're joining us live. There is no doubt she is that internationally known sports nutritionist, more so than that as it relates to your education. Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition Guidebook it is absolutely the gospel on learning more about nutrition and sports nutrition for you before the end of this program yes you are going to get a chance to win a copy of that book but more importantly for those of you who have not yet put a copy of this of your own on your shelf you must do so there is so much practical guidance there And when we say practical as someone who has dove into that as a reference guide, it is not just aspirational thinking or behavior for those at the peak of their athletic performance. It is for all of us and is written in a way that all of us can indeed benefit. I have to say, D2, I came into this sometimes when you think about talking to Nancy Clark, you would leave your beer in the fridge. I saw you drinking water. A little bit ago is that because nancy's our special guest and you were not necessarily willing to take her at her uh suggestion to enjoy something every once in a while
0: no so it's 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 all about balance and all about moderation so for me it's you know i you know i'll, I'll have beer um you know I have maybe two to three beers a week but that typically means for me it's like a friday saturday sunday this was a holiday weekend so i had friday saturday sunday and I was like, well, do I want to drink again on Tuesday? I was like, no. I was like, I already had my beers, you know, it's like, and I'm good. I don't feel like I need it. And it's all in moderation. So for me, I didn't want to do four days where I was drinking. And then, um, you know, I I, I do have a, a special beer that I did pick up and, uh, you know, from Pontoon Brewing, which I know you, I, I've been wanting to tell you this because this is a, a, you know, I love uh, stouts and flavored uh, stouts. So. Uh, pontoon brewing here locally had one called, uh, this is chunky boy, which is a, um, believe it's caramel coconut, um, and caramel. I mean, it's just got, it's like, it's like a dessert beer. And, and so I've got it. I was like, oh, I was like, yeah, do I crack it up? It's like, no, I'm going to wait for it. You know, I'm going to share it with a friend.
1: Uh, I am impressed that you were able to show that kind of self-control, and that's exactly what Nancy, I think, was talking about, where, my goodness, it doesn't have to have control over you. Recognize you had a great holiday weekend, and certainly now you have the power to say not this evening. I'll get to that later. Very, very cool. We are going to come back to Nancy here in just a little bit. Before we do, I want to bring on Casey Sinders because if there are Certainly, pitfalls that I can say have come alongside certain nutritional choices I've made in my past. It has been getting super aggressive with my training at times that I felt like maybe I had more time on my hands to get after that training. And yet, we know that more time isn't the same as more sleep when it comes to training. And, Casey, my guess is there are people, whether telehealth, safely in your office, talking to you on the street or wherever they may actually get a chance to run into you digitally, virtually, socially distance minded, that they're saying, wow, this thing is started to flare up. And I think it's because now that I'm working from home, or I have a little bit more time, I decided to run more than I ever have, or I'm walking more than I have ever walked before, or I am now getting myself in great shape and yet they have soreness, discomfort, or worse to show for it. So let's start with starting off too aggressively. Are you seeing some of these injuries? Are you having some of these conversations?
2: Oh yes, Mike, absolutely. I've heard all of those stories um, for about two months now, and <laughs> uh, so I think the most common scenario I'm here, I'm seeing right now is people are who normally are up and about or you know, in an office where they get up and get water or go to the bathroom or whatever, um, are now working at home, maybe on their couch because they don't have an office or a desk or something. And they're in these horrible positions for long periods of time. And they're not getting up. They're kind of out of their routine. Um, so when they are out there training, they're feeling a little bit flat. They might have a little bit of back discomfort, neck discomfort. Um, I have a lot of people asking for my best, my best uh, back stretches because people are feeling especially tight right now. Um, So it's probably the most common scenario I have been seeing Um, this. uh, This next one, it it brings a lot of joy to my heart, actually, because a lot of people are new runners in this covid era where uh, they couldn't go to the gym. The pool was closed. um, Running was very accessible, relatively safe throughout most of this, depending on where you live. But, you know, here in the Atlanta area, we've been able to been fortunate, fortunate enough to get out and go for our normal runs um a solo hopefully for the most part and so this is an opportunity for people to fall in love with running which is really exciting to me because i think everybody should have this love of running that i do it's brought so much into my life in terms of people and relationships and goals and just incredible moments in time and i want that i want everyone to have that so that's really cool but the flip side of that is they just whatever shoes they have, they put on and they go out the door um, and don't really think too much or plan. They're just like, I'm going to start running. I can't go to the gym. I'm going to start running, which is OK. But especially if you catch that bug and you and you start to enjoy your new activity, um, this enthusiasm can get the best of you and you can go too much too soon. And before you know it, um, your body is breaking down because it's not used to this new activity. Um no matter what it is, if we do a novel activity, we're very likely to get injured at some point if we don't, you know, take some time to dial it back a little bit and, you know, follow these training principles that us seasoned runners know so well. So, uh, you know, a very common number you'll see out there is this 10 uh, percent rule idea. And if you're not familiar with this, this is, you know, say you run a certain number of miles a week. And then the next week, if you're going to increase the number of miles, don't go more than 10%, which is very conservative. And that should be good for most new runners. Um, For some of us, you know, coming back from injury, we may have to be less conservative or more conservative depending on what's going on. Um, But I guess all of this is to say, (laughs) I think that if you're just starting running, it's important that you at least track how much you're running um, so that you can gauge how quickly am I increasing my mileage? um how is my training changing um and then of course another thing which i find really interesting is there's all these challenges going on right now so we've got the yeti challenge and um, people are making up their own virtual races and new goals which i think are is awesome if you're that runner who needs that goal then i'm so glad that people are recognizing that about themselves and making these goals so that they are still motivated they're still having fun in the absence of races um but that's the thing, it's a new goal. So your training looks different. Um, you're gonna be sore in different different places. You might um, become pete- increased risk for injury because your body's not ready for it, um, things like that. So these are all scenarios that I've heard um, and seen uh, about. And I do have people coming out of the woodwork. I actually had a friend from high school text me and ask me about a running related injury. Um, so I, I have seen a lot of that.
1: <laughs> so I'm gonna camp out. There for a second, not to pick on your friend from from high school, but yeah. what I do want to kind of call out here is that for all of our listeners, some of them, of course, are not that new runner or walker. But what I almost feel very certain about is they know someone who is. So if that's not you, it is someone you know. And the cool thing is, is we get to pass this lifestyle along. We almost take it rightfully so as a badge of honor when somebody comes to us and asks, "Hey, I'm thinking about." doing a little bit more walking or running, where should I find a good pair of shoes? Or do you have any suggestions for me as to where I should go to do it safely? Or certainly in Dr. Casey's mind, it is that person who comes to her, like her friend from high school did and said, my goodness, what is going on here? And you can get real guidance from someone you trust. So now I'm gonna ask you, Casey, that person who now wonders, am I getting a normal, traditional, maybe even expected amount of soreness? Or have I gone and injured myself and put myself in harm's way if I try it again? Any guidance you might give us, whether for ourselves or to pass along in terms of that fine line between what we can expect when we're just getting after it for the first time or the first time in a long time, or when we've done it too much, perhaps too soon, and now we need to back off a little bit?
2: Yes, that is a great question because it is a fine line and it's a fine line that we don't discover until we. Are more experienced in running, and we can kind of discern between I just did a hard workout or I'm on the road to potentially injuring myself and not being able to run at all. So, there's a few different guidelines I would use. It's very tough to tell um, because it is something that is very, uh, you just kind of feel it and you can kind of get this sense, uh, especially if you've felt something similar before. But for these people who potentially haven't, it's a great question and point to bring up. So, for me, you know, if you have soreness or um, pain, or discomfort that feels like if you were to go to the gym and lift weights and it just felt feels sore, it doesn't bother you too much. Um, maybe your your muscles are sore if you touch them, but you feel okay walking around. Um, that's generally okay. Uh, if you have any type of kind of like sharp or catching pain that seems to either alter your gait pattern when you're running or you feel like you can't run normally because of this discomfort. That is definitely a yellow flag as well. Um, And then another thing I tell people to look for is if it's literally the same pain, same location, it comes on at the same time of your run. And that lasts for, I mean, we, we say seven days, but really I think it's, it's shorter than that. I would say more in the five day range where you're dealing with the same discomfort. Um, And even and especially if it seems to be getting worse, that is definitely a time to take a time out, see someone get some help, um, get ahead of it before it kind of gets pushed over that edge. That is something I see common, very commonly in my clinic, is that people keep thinking, oh, I'm just sore, it'll go away. Oh, I'm just sore, it'll go away. And then, lo and behold, months go by and all of a sudden they're in my office and now it's going to take longer to Treat and it's take longer to go away. So uh, I would rather people err on the cautious end of this. So if something just doesn't feel right, it goes. It's very similar to eating, like what Nancy said, right? Like listen to your body. You're you will have this sense of worry if it's something that is potentially wrong. And if you just feel kind of sore, like if you go to the gym and you can really directly correlate this soreness, you're usually not that concerned about it, and it goes away with a normal course. Of time, but your body knows when it's truly injured.
3: Yeah, and I, I just want to add that I see, I mean, just the other day, I was talking to a client that had, you know, this niggling injury, and was just afraid of, oh, no, I've got to run, because then I, I'm burning off calories if I don't run, if I take rest days, it's like I don't deserve to eat, and it's like, no, 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 no. You know, people in the hospital who aren't aren't exercising, they still eat and they lose weight. You know, so so it's important to disconnect running from injuries because I'm sure you see a lot of compulsive runners who their one of their reasons is, oh no, I'm gonna get fat if I don't run. Or oh I, I won't be able to eat if I don't run. And that's not quite true.
2: Yes. And I have to I have to counsel people all the time that actually you need to eat more if you're injured, your body needs fuel to heal itself. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's another thing that can take these injuries longer to heal is they worry about um, eating as much as they used to while training or having to really drastically cut down how much they eat because they're injured and they're not supposedly burning off as many calories, but the problem is your body really needs that energy to heal itself, Um, and it it can become a real problem. Yeah, and this is particularly true with vegans or vegetarians, because um,
3: a, a vegan or a vegetarian needs to eat like a lot of beans and a lot of hummus in order to get the protein that they need. So if they're cutting back on their calories and just eating smaller portions, they might not be getting the protein that's really involved in healing. So that's, that's good that you're um, having that conversation with
1: them. Yeah, well, I love the fact that you guys are having this conversation because it all comes together. And again, it gives us the ability to influence others with information that we know is appropriate to share. Interestingly enough, Big Peach Running Company, our tagline from before we opened the doors in our first store, may your best miles be those covered on foot. But the runner up to that tagline that was chosen was, It's a lifestyle and that still has relevance as well. It is not just a season or perhaps a singular pursuit. So for those of us who have found ourselves in the midst of making good choices during this pandemic, why would we not want this to instead become a silver lining? Even a term I've used before, a legacy to what we've had to walk through together and now to be able to think back in three years, three decades about lifestyle choices that we made at this time that are still serving us so well and not being too aggressive and understanding we need few food for fuel whether we got in a run or walk today or not goes hand in hand with making it a lifestyle okay Nancy, I'm gonna ask you this because you set me up so perfectly with what you just mentioned as it relates to, I think your term was compulsive. One of the things, of course, that we know, running and walking make great weight loss and weight management or maintenance tools as part of an overall lifestyle. For that person now who has said, gosh, I think I've started, I've gotten out of the gates, fitness is part of what I'm doing. But if I'm really honest with myself, losing some weight, or being able to maintain my weight was probably the impetus of why I did it, more so than the pandemic, more so than working from home, more so than a you know rejuvenated, perhaps, routine. What would you say to them as we go into the summer, as we go into things like holidays that now are part of what makes this time of year so special and so memorable, so that they can be anything but compulsive, but instead be sensible and strategic in pairing their fitness routine with their nutrition as it relates to weight management or perhaps even weight loss.
3: Yeah. Weight loss is really related to creating a calorie deficit. So if people just add on running or add on walking, they probably won't lose nearly as much weight as if they pay more attention to their food intake. So that weight loss is really 80% food. Hopefully they've added on running or walking because they want to feel good. They want to be healthier That because it relieves stress. It gets them outdoors. It, it's, you know, it's one of life's pleasures. And it's a gift to be able to run or to walk so that it's got a real positive spin on it. Um, and so in, in terms of weight, it, it's really important to fuel by day. And just like you have a car, you put gas in it, it goes, you have a body, you put food in it, it goes a lot better. So you want to be fueling up. Now I was talking to this person who says like, why would I want to eat before I run? Because I'm trying to lose weight. And she just saw food is like hindering fat loss. But you know what, if you eat beforehand, you um, have more energy to have a better workout. You aren't starving afterwards, and are less likely to stop by the donut shop, and you don't want to lose weight during the day. The time to lose weight is at nighttime when you're sleeping, so you need to fuel by day, and really to, for a person who um, is training, they're either fueling up or they're refueling, and food is fuel, but if they've got all this garbage surrounding food and exercise and weight and i don't deserve this um, it really would be a wise idea to really to meet with a, a sports dietitian a registered dietitian um, i have a strong chapter in my book on dieting gone awry so there are many different directions that people can go but if if fueling and running isn't feeling peaceful and it's getting a little bit too compulsive there's another way to live. And um that would come with, with talking getting some professional guidance. Somehow eating people have such shame about asking for food help because, you know, it's something it's so simple. I should just be able to do something as simple as eat normally. It's like, you know what? It's not simple, especially in our society.
1: Well, and if it was simple, we wouldn't need the world's best selling sports. Nutrition guidebook that is for sure and for those who have not laid eyes on it. There is so much good It is a treasure trove again. Do not forget you're gonna get a chance to win a copy and as I give you a preview for the back half of this Pubcast and your time here our question To those of you both on the chat box and brave enough to take yourself off mute What does the future of running look like we are now in June We are now in our routine that is starting to become a routine, not just markedly different from what it was a few months ago. And we are curious what the future of running looks like. We'll hope you participate in that discussion. We're also going to transition from those of us who are perhaps just getting started to those who are committed. Those of you who are just getting started, do not go anywhere. You will benefit from this as well. But I am going back to my friend Casey Sinders because she is going to be able to help all of us no matter how seasoned. Continue to do this really well for those of you who have not yet been over to PrecisionPT.org to learn more about what they do. I highly recommend that you do so, but this will give you a taste of it, if nothing else, because the answer, I believe, will benefit me and many others. So here we go. Casey, I am really curious because for those of us who have been doing this, maybe perhaps could even say this is a lifestyle for us, we're not willing to just write the rest of this year off as something where we're out running by ourselves without targets or perhaps races to register for or even goals to set. That does not go away just because of this pandemic. We are, to your point earlier, maybe making new types of goals. We perhaps are pursuing things we've not in the past, but we are as goal oriented and as aggressive at getting after it as what we have ever been. So now thinking about that endurance-minded, more committed athlete that you're seeing, how is it that we are able to not just give ourselves the confidence, but give ourselves a legitimate opportunity of staying healthy when so much of our other routine is different? We're working from home. Our parenting perhaps has changed because we don't have daycare. We may not have the ability to take our kids to school. Everything around us has changed, but our desire to still be the best athlete we can be has not. Any guidance you would give us to help keep us healthy and keep us on track?
2: Yes, absolutely. So this is obviously gonna be very different depending on your situation, um, how busy you are right now, what your stress levels are. But I kind of have two things I've been thinking about during this era where athletes can really make themselves better. And the first one is to really focus on the little things. So these are the things that get kind of thrown into the back of our minds when we have that marathon plan with those really sexy long runs and big speed workouts. And we tend to focus a lot of our energy on those really big pieces of the puzzle. And they are important. But I I argue, especially as you get. entrenched in this endurance lifestyle the longer you're a runner and those prs become harder and harder to come by the little things are what really make that difference because you've done long runs before you've done the speed workouts before that's not going to change what is going to change is you know um your ability to buffer stress your ability to sleep and recover better your mental ability to stay focused during those workouts Um, your ability to focus on your foam rolling and your strength training and those other little pieces and even your running form. So if there's something about your running form or uh, kind of what you focus on in your body while running that you just haven't really focused on because you've had this race or you've had something where you don't want to really mess with the tried and true, now's the time to do it. Uh, There really aren't any races on the horizon right now. So now is the perfect time to try some new things, try different types of training. Um, and I think really the best thing people can do right now is to build habits that hopefully they can carry into when life becomes quote unquote normal or some version of normal. So what I mean by that is a the biggest piece I think is some sort of strength uh, routine. And what's nice is because people, re- You know, most people aren't comfortable going back to the gym. I know they're opening back up. And so this may or may not be an accurate statement, but we haven't had a lot of equipment available to us. So we have this opportunity to create some sort of habit of strength training at home with minimal equipment, with what we have, with the time that we have. And just don't overcomplicate it. Uh, Really make it a part of your routine because the best strength exercises you do or the best strength exercises are the ones that you actually do. (laughs) If you have this great plan all written and color coded and highlighted and you don't do it, it doesn't help you. So just get started with it. Um, And then because we do, a lot of us have a little bit more flexibility now, this is a really good time to build that post workout recovery routine. So coming back, getting your water, getting your nutrition, um, maybe getting on the foam roller, stretching out any tight areas, um, walk around a little bit. Don't just go and sit at your computer. Um, and really focus on those, those little things really. Um, so, and then the second part of this, I said, there's two things that I've been thinking about. And the second part is, uh, stress is stress. So make this time, make training enjoyable, whatever it is for you. Um, you know, I do think if you're, you have these big goals and you're interested on being the best athlete you can be now probably is the time to do those things that you really don't like to do. like. Faster workouts that are shorter distance and the, you know, really focusing on strength, which I think is a great idea. But by the same token, I think it should be enjoyable. I think it should be stress relieving. And I think you have to listen to what you really, really want to do right now. And um, just don't stress out about, um, you know, how's this going to benefit me in the long run? which yes, I agree. That's a good idea. It's a good question to ask yourself, but remember no matter what you're doing right now, no matter what your training looks like um, it's a brick in the wall. That's going to build you going forward and just don't rush it. Have some patience with it.
1: Well, I know that's a, Please Nancy.
2: Yeah. I, I was just going to add to that is
3: that sometimes people also try to maintain their race weight like all year round. And if it, means that they're just under eating and maybe if a woman has stopped having her menstrual period which is a sign of under eating that this is a really good time to let the body do what the body wants to do and and let it gravitate toward a more natural weight and um, not not trying to maintain that abnormally low weight right now if there's no races that are happening yeah
1: That's a great point, and and I'm going to be the optimist for sure before this conversation is over relative to races. Again, for those of you who would be curious what the future of running looks like, stay tuned and participate, but Casey, you gave us some important, for me, reminders, maybe for everyone, imperatives, and that is, you mentioned, like Nancy did, the importance of sleep, but then you also came back around, and you told us strength training It matters so if I can say I'm as consistent as I've ever been even with a disrupted routine in the number of days per week that I'm running or the amount of mileage I'm achieving but if I've lost my commitment to the strength training shame on me I will pay for it sooner or perhaps later secondly you just mentioned a word that I know Nancy I saw her head going this direction so my guess that means full agreement but how could you disagree with recovery and the importance of being mindful that even if we don't have a signature race that we are confirmed will happen, recovery still matters. Is that fair?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the biggest part of training, right? They say, uh, you know, the real gains come in recovery, not necessarily in training. So you, you really are building on your sleep rather than how many hard workouts you can do. Um, I did see, or I've heard of a quote before, I think it might have been Dina Castor or something like that, where it was like, um, you can train as hard as you want, as long as you recover well enough.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I'm going to suggest that that's accurate. At the same time, I don't know that I have enough to go up against Dina to be able to say I've ever trained that at that Dina, level. So. I certainly haven't performed at that level. So who am I to push back or perhaps embrace that? What I would rather do is embrace Dr. Sinder's advice because I know where it comes from. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a couple of questions that are coming in. I'm going to give them to you right now. Before I go to my question for you, Nancy, I'm going to start with you with a question from Bob, and this maybe shows my limited knowledge of all those who might be willing to give me some guidance since I have already committed myself, gushed over Dr. Nancy Clark and her guidance for me. I don't even know who this individual is, but I'm going to read it as it is here. Maybe, you know, thoughts about Michael Poland's perspective on food. The quote is eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Mm-hmm. Any
0: thoughts yeah. on that?
3: Yeah. I, I I love his eat food, not too much, mostly plants. It's short, sweet, concise. It's, it's doable. And, um, I have no arguments against that. And it's, it's interesting that I heard this statistic that 25% of people ages, I think 24 to 35 or something, are, are either vegan or vegetarian. So, so eating plants isn't a passing fad, it's really the next generation of eaters that are coming along. <clears throat> and so with that, um, It is possible to be a very healthy plant eater who gets adequate protein um, from beans, nuts, seeds, lentils, legumes. Um, And the nice thing getting back to this coronavirus shutdown is there's time to explore this and to do more cooking and to make lentil stew or to make homemade hummus and really to um, be creative with with eating more, more plants. And knowing that that's a a wise, a a good trend to go in. But that doesn't mean that you can need to eat only plants. You don't need to become vegan or vegetarian. There's something called less meat, less animal food. Um, So again, it comes down to, oh, how boring, Balance, moderation, Um, but it might be boring, but it's really, you know, past the test of time.
1: Excellent, so there you have it. That's a great question. Nancy, I'm not gonna let you go because as we kind of pair against some of the things that Casey said, I am going to remind everyone, of course, that at this point, there is no official word on some of the big fall marathons, perhaps some of the half marathons that people think about in the back third of the year. Certainly the AJC Peachtree Road Race currently scheduled here in Atlanta for Thanksgiving day. So there are still races on the docket. I know much remains to be seen, but as that optimist, I'm going to suggest that the New York city marathon happens. I'm going to suggest that Chicago takes place. I'm going to suggest that the postponed and new perhaps once in a lifetime date for both the Boston marathon and the Peachtree road race are going to occur. You wrote literally the book. On marathoners and nutrition for that particular endeavor. It had great recipes. Of course, it had advice for the training. That way, you could support the amount of training and the intensity with food. You even mentioned a number of things that were going to help with us get more out of that overall training experience because of the role that diet and nutrition can play. For those of us who are just committed, until we hear differently, these mm-hmm. events are going to happen what are some foundational maybe even building blocks if we have a marathon half marathon perhaps even that first peach tree on the mm-hmm. horizon this fall that you would say it is not too early to start building these habits or recipes or routines into mm-hmm. our existence
3: it it certainly isn't part of training isn't to train just the heart and the lungs and the muscles is to train the intestinal tract And so many runners have um, concerns about, you know, tummy troubles. And, And so that part of your training is to practice your fueling as you would fuel for a half marathon or a marathon. And to, you know, for shorter distances, you're fueling up and you're refueling. For longer distances, over an hour and a half. You want to be fuel. practice your fueling during. And you have choices. You can have commercial sports foods and sports drinks and goos and gels and chomps and sports candies. Or you can eat, you know, dates and dried pineapple and, um, you know, applesauce pouches or, you know, bananas, uh, real food. So that um, this is the great, an excellent time to sort of experiment and figure out what do you like to eat? during your long runs. And so then come the day of the race, you know exactly what works, what settles well, <clears throat> how much you can tolerate, and you've taken the mystery out of, um, or you, you can take the fear out of um, of um, hitting the wall, because you don't have to, it is possible to do a marathon without hitting the wall. and And so once you know how to fuel, you don't have to worry about that.
1: I would imagine that hitting the wall is an expression for those of you who have not seen the book I mentioned. I've put it on the screen. I think that perhaps contributed to the audio delay, but I wanted to be sure everyone saw that this is time tested advice. This particular book came out in 2011, and yet we hear an expression like hitting the wall, and we can all come to a pretty quick conclusion what that means, including during training routine that we hit the wall and it just did not go the way that we wanted it to and it is possible it is not your particular training day it is your nutrition plan that ended up being the gap for Mm -hmm. what you were attempting to achieve and the way that it turned out one of the things nancy that you've always been able to do is kind of pair an ability for us to get the most out of our fuel And then also be able to still be ourselves. If we think about me having my big peach post run peach ale right now, and yet still planning on a fall marathon, are there any things that you would say we should avoid or that we should maybe change or that we just cannot continue to let be part of our nutritional plan? Or is there enough latitude or perhaps nutritional grace That there is room for all of it, even when we have big targets for the back third of this year.
3: My biggest concern is with people who think um, the lighter, the better. And they are just so focused on losing weight, being lighter. Of course, I'll be faster. I can get up the hill, power to weight ratio, blah, blah, blah. But they're getting lighter at the cost of being well-fueled and they really set themselves up for injuries cuz they aren't healing very well so i would um see that as my biggest concern really and and to know that the best the runner who's the best will be genetically gifted <clears throat> well fueled well well trained well rested and well well fueled and and eating can make the difference but genetics and training really really matters um and not to underestimate the power of good nutrition. I mean, I've had many runners say, wow, I went for a long run, and I fueled better, and I knocked a minute a mile off my time. I mean, could that be food? It's like, yeah, it could be. And it, and it likely is. So food is very, very powerful in terms of enhancing performance. And it can be powerful even without putting the focus on losing fat.
0: Well,
1: I'm going to go to the bonus question before going to giving away Nancy's best-selling nutritional guidebook, internationally known. And that is, Nancy, I have to ask you, given that you are in the heart of one of those locations best known for running in boston obviously new england shares a sentiment similar to what i believe we do here in atlanta as running city usa that this is a lifestyle here to stay regardless of what comes at us but any thoughts from you in terms of the future of running and how things might return to a sense of normal or might look markedly different for the time to come
3: boy (laughs) <laughs> you you asked the, the the magical question that I think we wish we all knew the answer to. I I see people as getting outside for sanity and the, there's a switch from competitiveness and I've got to train to I want to get out and move my body and get fresh air and sunshine. So among a certain you know group of people, surely your competitive runners are still competitive and totally frustrated. But if people can just embrace this as a time for exercising for the right reasons, health, fitness, sanity, stress relief. I mean, not everybody is competitive. And so for some people, it doesn't really matter that there aren't as many races. They just want to go there to participate and have fun and just celebrate all that they're grateful for. So I would say an attitude of gratitude will go a long ways. Who knows what the future will bring, but we still need fresh air, sunshine, physical fitness, regardless.
1: Well, I love it. I hope that is our future. It sounds very rosy. And I do think that everywhere from the New York Times to the Atlanta Track Club have indicated very clearly that right now we are seeing people who have that mindset that Nancy just mentioned could be part of the future. We're just getting out. I think her expression, so perfect, moving our body. It matters, it is good for us. And yes, it can be enjoyable. It can be part of that stress relief and ultimately become part of what is your normal. Same question for you, Dr. Sinders. You obviously have a sense with those who you see and you're speaking to, we're not asking for a crystal ball and anyone to be 100% accurate, but anything you would tell us that you believe might be part of the future for running, for walking, just for this, what we call pedestrian active lifestyle?
2: Yeah. So I think it, it goes back to what we say about a lot of aspects of our lives right now. What parts of normal do we want to return to? What parts of running did we really enjoy? What really lights us up, lit that fire? Like, are we competitive? Is it just something we do because all of our training buddies do and we're just expected to race, or did we actually enjoy racing? And it's totally okay if the answer was no. Um, So I think people, uh, it, I mean, I'm definitely echoing Nancy's answer right now. I think people will find what really was joyful for them, what really was what what they get out of running, out of this lifestyle. They'll, they'll realize how important it is for their health overall and get out of this type A kind of slave to the schedule type of training. Um, but I think we'll also find that we really took for granted that time that we could train with people and enjoy someone's company and how you get to know people through this sport. And I think we've realized that, I think we've always said it, but now since it's not possible to have a lot of those gatherings we used to and not see each other at races, I think it has brought us a lot back to that that community aspect of it that a lot of us really, really enjoy. Um, so I, I think we'll find ways to really hone in on that once we can do it again Um, and it'll be a, a jolly good time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I love the fact that you guys said similar things because that must mean it's going to be true if mm-hmm. more than two people, somebody else join in and that makes it a quorum for sure. A question that we got for you, Casey, I think is a good one. As a reminder for everyone, feel free to join in the conversation. Give it some thought on your own. You're out for your run or your walk as you listen to the Run ATL podcast right now. What is the future of walking or running? Certainly hope that you're included in whatever it may be. But the very question that is not speculative in this instance is this and that is any thoughts on ice versus heat a lot of people may think of that as part of their recovery we talked earlier about is this just soreness or is this something more than that maybe i should ice it maybe i should get out the heat pad any thoughts on ice versus heat
2: yes i have a few thoughts about ice versus heat so it really is situational uh it really depends so Uh, there are a few instances where I would say absolutely ice and that would be with a very recent injury. So you had, you sprained your ankle on a trail run, you felt kind of a pull, uh, during either a faster effort or during a run and you feel like you've like pulled a muscle or some sort of very, um, where you could really tie to the moment in time when this injury happened. Um, I would say ice for sure. Um, I do like ice as a recovery tactic as well. Um, I know a lot of athletes use ice baths and cryotherapy chambers and all the the fancy bells and whistles there. Um, I do think it can be helpful to dampen some post-exercise inflammation and help you get ready for your next effort. So I think that that is another instance where you can use ice. Um, with heat, it's a little bit more, if it feels good, then I'm generally okay with it. There are some injuries where heat will make it feel worse. It's like, if you can imagine spraining your ankle and then putting a heating pad on it it would feel horrible. Right. So, um, I'm okay. Like if you're just generally tight and you want to sit in like a hot tub or a whirlpool of some sort, um, I think that's really helpful. I know a lot of people do like Epsom salt baths, which I'm all on board with that old fashioned modality for sure. It feels great. Um but other than that, it's just what feels good. Um so some people I know swear by um icing a certain like icing their knees or icing a certain part of their body right after their run and it helps them feel better. I'm cool with that. That's great. Um so it really it really just depends. if it feels good, it's usually okay. And except in that instance where you have a very acute injury. And in that instance, you wanna ice it as frequently as you can in the first probably 48 to 72 hours after injury.
1: Wow, that is great guidance. Thank you for that question. That is hugely helpful for all of us. All of us will run into some of that. Before we let y'all go, we are going to ask both Nancy Clark and Casey Sanders a very important personal question. Before we get to that final answer from our featured pub runners, please know there is something that hangs in the balance. Here comes your question with your opportunity to win the best selling Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition Guidebook. For those who like numbers, almost a million copies have been sold previously. You're gonna get yours for free. This is now in its sixth edition. Nancy released that July of last year, and every time she puts more information into it, this is not just a reprint. I remember seeing the list of new content for the sixth edition last year. And it was almost a full page long compliments of the run ATL podcast. Here comes your question. You're gonna have an opportunity here in the pub to answer via the chat box. If you wanna answer now, otherwise podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com is your friend. As a forward to one of the books that Nancy has written, she had the good fortune of a fellow atlantan writing that forward what fellow atlantan i can tell you it was not dolomite dave martinez or me but a fellow atlantan of ours and yours rhett Wrote a foreword to one of her books. Who might that be? If your answer shows up correct in the chat box, my goodness, first in gets that copy. If not, for all of you Run ATL podcast listeners, send us the answer again, podcast at bigpeachrunningco.com. Here's the question that'll buy you a little bit of time. Who better than to ask? First, we'll start with Casey. Not only is she a physical therapist doctorate at emory also a personal trainer very much an athlete of her own all kinds of solid guidance knew she was going to get paired with the world's foremost sports nutritionist the question what is or was for dinner dr Sanders?
2: oh uh, i have not eaten dinner yet um i am planning my quarantine uh meal my favorite quarantine meal has been avocado toast <laughs> ah uh, with uh with an egg which is new for me uh, we've talked a lot about vegetarian and vegans which I have been for the past few years I'm learning that I need more protein so I'm playing with this a little bit so uh good old avocado toast everything but the bagel seasoning and an egg and probably some some vegetables in there too we'll see what I got in the fridge
1: Right on. All right. She's going to have to hold herself fully accountable because that sounded both delish and very nutritionally satisfying. So there it is. Avocado (laughs) toast, an egg and some vegetables she's going to have to find now that she just said that. Nancy, you get this question all the time, I am sure. Before we get your answer, I'm happy to report. Mr. Bob Wells is going to get a copy, compliments from his friends at Big Peach Running Company and the Run ATL podcast. This will be one for the shelf that you pull off on a regular basis. Dear friend, Bob Wells, coming your way. Nancy Clark, what is or was for dinner this evening?
3: Well, I I haven't eaten yet, and I hear my husband preparing something. So I know there's leftover barbecued chicken from... Memorial Day weekend. Um, And that's about, there'll be some sort of starch and some sort of vegetable and probably a Greek yogurt for dessert. So I've got grain to fuel my muscles, protein to build and repair my muscles, vegetables for fruits and uh, fruits and vegetables for vitamins and minerals, and some sort of calcium for my bones. So it's like, I got that balance. (laughs) That is awesome. So I love, again, you're just so
1: relatable and I can't, I can, Nancy Clark does leftovers. You get that here in this broadcast, Nancy Clark does leftovers. So that means the rest of us can, and knowing that we are coming off of Memorial Day, for those of you who somehow did not get to all of it yesterday, this is your opportunity. You've just been given permission, pull those out of the fridge, let nothing go to waste d2 before we sign off how about you what is for dinner or what was you made such a sensible choice by allowing that pontoon brewery to stay in the refrigerator for at least another evening what about for dinner what comes out
0: so i haven't had dinner yet uh but i see someone else uh, also uh chimed in on the chat box and it is tuesday so it is taco tuesdays
1: Ah, oh, nice work! Yes, Allison is right. It's Taco Tuesday. I missed that. For those of you who don't already have your favorite Taco Tuesday spot, that is a fine suggestion. D2, are you going to get to cooking the tacos now with that suggestion?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've, I've been eating in, so I, I yeah I I, tr- I try not to eat out. My uh my cheat food, which is maybe once a month, is Chick Fil A. Ah, right on. That's a, a good, another
1: very good Atlanta tradition. Well done. There it is. D2, a cheat food is the Chick-fil-A. And once again, I want to say thank you so very much to Dr. Casey Sanders. For those of you who want to learn more or connect with her, please check out precisionpt.org. You'll get a chance to learn more about Casey and her team in that organization. They've come up with some cool ways to be of service as part of their way of working through making sure all of us get worked on through this coronavirus season. And for those of you who are now getting to know Nancy for the first time, you'll learn more or can connect with her at nancyclarkrd.com. So much good information there, resources that you will find useful, whether this has been your first foray into a pedestrian active lifestyle or whether you are a grizzled veteran with many miles already under your belt, so much good information there make sure you check it out and as we sign off we have already said as part of our plan going forward we will continue doing this d2 i don't know if you remember but last year we taped every single week leading up to the ajc Peachtree road race this year we'll do the same for different reasons but we will stay with our every week schedule so make sure to make plans join us peachy's pub opens every tuesday 6 p.m and of course for those of you on the run atl podcast thank you for listening we hope as we say once again as we certainly mean may your best miles be those
0: covered on foot cheers everyone